E-Tidings Cosmos Good morning, 21st Century World of Worlds. This is Radio Richard Island, coming to you from within the soundproofless studio of life itself. Thormila Falcha Rothansha I am your host, Richard McSweeney. Hear this listener, give it here your fullness of ear. From the beginning there is breath, and upon that breath there are words. A sign in a food store caught my becharmed eye. It read, Fresh and ready when you are. And I thought, what an absolutely wonderful motto for lovers, for long, happily married lovers. Of a mid-morning saw three muck-spreaders parked in front of a petrol station. The tractors and the muck-spreaders were covered in muck. The tractor drivers, though wearing overalls and headgear, were all but covered in muck too, from cap to boot. And standing next to them at the deli counter, and they reeking of orders of all that such a job entails, I had them to be talking away about William Wordsworth's poetry. And I was there and then reminded that what is on the inside can be worlds removed from that of what is on the outside, from that on the outside, from the inside. In today's broadcast, I'll be reading from Prince Hamlet, The Republic, and the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. This is a reading in continuity from Prince Hamlet. This is one Lucianus, nephew to the king. You are as good as a chorus, my lord. I could interpret between you and your love if I could see the papa's dalling. You are keen, my lord, you are keen. It would cost you a groaning to take off my edge. Still better and worse. So you must take your husband's. Begin, murderer, pox, leave thy damnable faces and begin. Come, the croaking raven doth bellow for revenge. Thoughts black, hands apt, drugs fit, and time agreeing, confederate season else no creature seeing. Thou mixture rank of midnight weeds collected, with Hecate's band thrice blasted, thrice infected, thy natural magic and dire property, unwholesome life usurp immediately. He poisons him in the garden for his estate. His name is Gonzago. The story is exempt and written in choice Italian. You shall see anon how the murderer gets the love of Gonzago's wife. The king rises. What frightened with false fire? How fares, my lord? I give over the play. Uh, give me some light away. Lights, lights. Why let the stricken deer go weep and the heart and gold play? For some must watch while some must sleep, so runs the world away. Would not this, sir, and a forest of feathers, if the rest of my fortunes turn Turk with me, with two provincial roses on my raised shoes, get me a fellowship in a cry of player, sir? Half a share, a whole one eye. For thou dost know, O damned dear, this realm dismantled was of Jove himself, and now reigns here a very, very pudchock. You might have rhymed. O oh, good Horatio, I'll take the ghost word for a thousand pounds. 
didst perceive? Very well, my lord. Upon the talk of the poisoning, I did very well note him. Aha! Come some music, come the recorders, for if the king like not the comedy, why then belike he likes it not reparty. Come some music! A reading from Plato's The Republic. Just to mention, I have been working with both Benjamin Jowett's and Alan Bloom's translations, but as of today, I will only be using Jowett's purely for its style of language. Yes, I said, but if this definition of justice also breaks down, what other can be offered? Several times in the course of the discussion, Trashimachus had made an attempt to get the argument into his own hands, and had been put down by the rest of the company, who wanted to hear the end. But when Polymachus and I had done speaking, and there was a pause, he could no longer hold his peace, and gathering himself up, he came at us like a wild beast, seeking to devour us. We were quite panic-stricken at the sight of him. He roared out to the whole company, what folly! Socrates has taken possession of you all. And why, silly bullies, do you knock under to one another? I say that if you want really to know what justice is, you should not only ask but answer, and you should not seek honour to yourself from the refutation of the opponent, but have your own answer. For there are many, for there is many a one who can ask and cannot answer. And now I will not have you say that justice is duty or advantage or profit or gain or interest, for this sort of nonsense will not do for me. I must have clearness and accuracy. I was panic-stricken at his words, and could not look at him without trembling. Indeed, I believe that if I had not fixed my eye upon him, I should have been struck dumb. But when I saw his fury rising, I looked at him first, and was therefore able to reply to him. Trashimachus, I said, with a quiver, don't be hard upon us. Polymachus and I may have been guilty of a little mistake in the argument, but I can assure you that the error was not intentional. If we were seeking for a piece of gold, you would not, you would not imagine that we were knocking on, under to one another, and so losing our chance of finding it. And why, when we are seeking for justice, a thing more precious than many pieces of gold, do you say that we are weakly yielding to one another, and not doing our utmost to get to the, at the truth? Nay, my good friend, we are most willing and anxious to do so. But the fact is that we cannot. And if so, you people, who know all things, should pity us and not be angry with us. How characteristic of Socrates, he replied, with a bitter laugh. That's your ironical style. Did I not foresee, have I not already told you, that whatever he was asked he would refuse to answer, and try irony or any other shuffle in order that he might avoid answering? You are a philosopher, Trashimachus, I replied, and well know that if you ask a person what numbers make up twelve, taking care to prohibit him whom you ask from answering twice six, or three times four, or six times two, or four times three, for this sort of nonsense will not be do for you, then obviously that is your way of putting the question no one can answer you. But suppose that he were to retort, Trachimachus, what do you mean? If one of these numbers which you interdict be the true answer to the question, am I falsely to say some other number which is not the right one? 
Is that your meaning? How would you answer him? Just as if the two cases were all alike, he said. Why should they not be? I replied, and even if they are not, would only appear to be, so to the person who is asked, ought he not to say what he thinks, whether you and I forbid him or not? I presume, then, that you are going to make one of the interdicted answers? I dare say that I may, notwithstanding the danger, if upon reflection I approve of any of them. But what if I give you an answer about justice other and better, he said, than any of these? What do you deserve to have done to you? This is an interpretation, after my own fashioning, of some lines from the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. Nor three-star visitor spoke to me, saying, Humaculate of error, what stories, what anecdotes, what insights do you bring to this new dawn? A king and queen of the Mead Landry had an interesting custom when their children would reach the age of five. They would be asked to make a special choice which might give an indication of where their primary interests might lie in the future. They weren't told this would happen when they would reach five, so it was something very new to them when they were asked to do it. And so of a day, their youngest children, who happened to be twins, a boy and a girl, found themselves sitting in the sunshine before their parents, the king and queen, and all the ministers and attendants. Five symbols, two of each, ten in total, were placed before them, with a partition dividing them, so that neither could see each other. And the children were then asked to choose any two of the symbols. The symbols were a quill, an anchor, a bow and arrow, a fishing pole, and a scepter. Both children, unbeknownst to each other, and without having to deliberate, picked exactly the same two symbols, a quill and an anchor. The quill symbolized writing and the reading of many manuscripts, while the anchor indicated possible journeying beyond the shores of the island, and by inference, journeying to many places. All they who had seen this marveled that the children had made identical choices, and the king and queen were well pleased with their choices. In a dawn reverie of this new day, meditated I on what an immortal self of mine did say, did lovingly relay, way back in days of long, long, long gone by. O mortal self of mine, when with living in your own realm and time, will you yourself reach from on high to draw yourself up out of turbulent waters? All right, I will leave it at that for today. Enjoy taking very good care of yourself and those around you. Be ever so grateful for your many blessings. And spare a thought, too, for peoples living in faraway places, in all different kinds of situations, often very difficult, and not at all of their own making. You have been listening 
to an Irish philosopher of the natural kind bringing radio to the Internet via Radio Richard Island, on the air globally for about 15 minutes, Monday to Friday, and occasionally on the weekends. The script format of today's broadcast will be available at a future date on AuthenticCloseddramaScripts.com. It is truly an honor to have your listening. May you be a blessing unto yourself by way of your past, by way of your present, and by way of your future. Sloan, August Banach, Lett.